We sound crazy. They asked me how I knew my true love was true. I, of course, replied something here inside. Sweat gets in my eyes. Hi, 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 hi. Is the That's the energy we're starting off this week. Man. Woo! Nuts. That's like a master class in vocals. Yes. How High the Moon. Yeah. Ella Fitzgerald. Yeah, man. The Ella Fitzgerald. The. Mm. Welcome Jesus. to another week of We Sound Crazy, your backstage pass to all things music and culture. Phil Thornton, a.k.a. Philionaire, is in the building. Chuck Harmony is in the building. Timon Bacon from Macon is in the building. <laughs> and glad to be here. Yes. Now, uh, Claude is out this week, and we send him all love. He's traveling, very, very busy these days. But you know what? We got a very special guest co-host this week. I, I didn't think she was going to say yes. <laughs> oh I God. didn't. And I'm going and to own it on this podcast. Own it, every, every, every piece of own it. it. Um, but I got to say, she is a multi-stellar Dove Award winner, multi-Grammy nominee, I don't have to do all the whole list of receipts because it is what it is. It is what it is. We call her the voice. Yeah. The one and only, the incomparable, the illustrious, Kim Burrell. Kim Burrell. Thank you. Thank you. So before we get in, I got to acknowledge, we're here at the National Museum of African American Music here in Nashville, Tennessee, at the Roots Theater. You see this amazing, thank you, thank you, thank you. But before I get in, Kim, I did not think you would say yes to this invite. Why? I got to know why. Okay, so, and this is a great lesson, people, of restoration and, and resetting, because I met you years ago, and it wasn't the best experience. What? <laughs> <laughs> okay, no. bring me back. Tell the so it was a TBN taping in Atlanta, Georgia. Cool. And I was so full and so excited, y'all. And I walked up, and Kim Burrell was like. <laughs> so from that day, I was like, oh, my God, this was like I met one of my favorites, and it wasn't great. And so every time I would see you thereafter, I had this narrative in my mind like, oh, my God, Kim Burrell's not the nicest person. So then, really? yes, I did. Did I say anything? I mean, it was like. Get out of my face, boy. Like, <laughs> no, <laughs> no, you didn't say that, but that's what it felt like. That's, that's what I internalized in yeah, my yeah, brain. Yeah. So fast forward. Um, a few episodes ago, we had Tamar Braxton on the show. And Tamar, we were talking about just uncomfortable celebrity encounters that we had had. And so I said Kim Burrell and Brian McKnight, for the record. And I said, but Kim Burrell and Tamar, in that moment, the guys will tell you, mm -hmm. she said, no, you got to extend grace. Like, that could have been, a, you don't know what was going on in her life that day, what was oh, happening in her world. <laughs> Kim Burrell, great talent. Not the person yeah. you want to meet. And That's she, not true. <laughs> yeah, oh, but how no. much grace are we giving these people? Well, we got to give grace. You know, no, no, who have these platforms who sometimes, just like us humans, don't feel like it that day. That's true. Like, we really do take it to the limit. Be like, oh, my God, they're so rude. But what if they just Tay, having a day? Bad Tay. And in that moment, I felt so convicted. And I was like, and I watched it back, and I was like, you're right. Because I have been, been the best that I could be. All on all time. my days, yeah, yeah, including today. Right, 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 <laughs> so, right, right, right. so then fast forward talking with Travis Malloy, who's a mutual friend. 
and we were talking about the podcast, and he said, hey, well, what if Kim came on? I was like, well, I don't think she liked me. And so, <laughs> so, so he was like, no, 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 let me call, let me call. So I wanted to just, one, acknowledge what I said on this same platform yeah. because it was a, a bad day. You don't even remember. So it was just like, but I, I was don't. so full, y'all. I was so, it was like I met my all-time favorite. This and Michael Jordan were like highlights in my life. So kidding? I'm serious. I'm so. Okay, so were you Phil Thornton? Well, I've always been Phil Thornton. No, you know what I mean? Like, like to the industry? What, well, were I you was, introduced this, to this me was, like that? No, it was, I was with Coco of SWV. This is when she was doing her gospel record. And it was some, yeah. type of like, some type of special backstage. And I saw you. I think you were on your way to the restroom or something. And I think Ricardo Cantrell walked up and said, hey, this is the guy that I was telling you about. But I'd already did my whole... Like, I'm excited. I've been following you. I got the, you know, try me again. I got the live record. I got Everlast. Like, but all that to say, either way it goes, Kim, I'm good. I'm grateful for that experience. And thank you, Tamar, because Tamar really checked me on camera and off camera about that comment and just that experience because she said, you got to, people have bad days. She's like, people do. We're human. Yeah. And so for so long, I just literally, I was like, man, Kim don't like me. Like, and so, so the thing is when I heard from other people, like mutual friends was like, dude, what are you talking about? Like, what? And so shout out to Travis Malloy. He reconnected us. You said yes. And I thank you um, oh, for one so coming, good. but I had to acknowledge and just say, we're great. I'm yeah. so glad. Yeah. Yeah. No, we're, you know, just now, right before we came out, I sensed that you were sensing me. And, and usually I get that because I'm an artist. And everywhere you go, yeah. people kind of want to know, what's the temperament, yeah. right? And I was saying a little bit to myself, if we're about to go out there, I hope he loosens up. I was, no, I was thinking that to myself yeah. Yeah. because I'm not as familiar with you mm -hmm. as, as most prob probably are. Mm -hmm. I'm, I'm aware of you. Mm -hmm. But this is going to help me to be familiar with you. Not so much that I you know, become uncomfortable. No, no, no. And that's why I just, but, but I wanted to acknowledge it because I'm big on I'm owning. I'm so glad you did that. Yeah, I own everything I say, good and bad. They, the guys know, yeah. crew know, yeah. but I had to because on the same platform that I talked about, the uncomfortable and awkward and bad experience, I wanted to come back on the same platform to show, look at what God has done. Because oh, we sit you. next to each other on yeah. the same on stage the same that I actually, yeah, <laughs> yeah man. So, so thank you, Kim, and because it's, yeah. it's, uh, this is a dream come true. Thank you. This is a dream come true, not only to meet one of my musical heroes, this is a, a dream come true to actually just bury whatever I perceive that and encounter to be. That's well, awesome, you know, man. I want to, so you know, in all fairness yeah. to that, I really apologize to you. I'm so sorry. I am really sorry. I've been apologizing a lot this season, haven't I? <laughs> I apologize. <laughs> I we sound crazy. Welcome to We Sound Crazy, yes. where we talk about all things music and culture yeah. and celebrate legends such as yourself. Thank you. Mm -hmm. So this is going to be a great, great yeah. time. So great first, time. I want to know what's going on in Kim Burrell's world? <laughs> mm. That's really cute, uh, especially with you, Chuck. Because, okay, okay, okay. I'll start like this. Uh, quite a bit. Mm. Uh, living. I just turned 50, and um, I'm trying to see what that's gonna be like. You know how you, you think milestone moments? And so far, I, I still have to remind myself that I'm 50 because I don't know what it's supposed to mean yet, except for um, I think I'm compelled to embrace my experiences and live according to life's lessons. And more than anything for me, especially in this field of music, is who can I teach? Who can I help? Who can I uh, guide, help to you know do whatever? Um, 
but music always will be happening in my life. I'm not that uh, much of an artist, I think, of what artists have become. I have the qualifications to do what artists do, but I don't have the interest as a common artist, I guess, of today's artist thing, what they do. Mm. I don't have that kind of interest. Oh, that just, that, I and, I and I get it, but it really, it saddens me because it's like you have been, I know in my life, like I remember being in high school discovering who you were mm. and who you are, mm -hmm. and somebody at school was like, you love music, listen to this Everlasting Life album. Wow. And I remember, like, me and my sister being at home, like, oh, my gosh, she's got a computer in her throat. Like, <laughs> <laughs> like, like she is, like, who is oh, this woman, right. Kim Burrell? Oh, wow. And that was probably 2002, 2003. Yeah. And ever since then, anything Kim Burrell, I'm, like, clamoring Thank you. for it. I appreciate um, that. So it, it, I, I really hate to hear you Say that you're like, because we, we want to continue to hear King. You know, I want to like, be heard. I just don't like industry. Okay. Yeah. yeah I have yeah. no interest in the music industry. I, and I'm open for my mind to be changed about that. I think I know quite a bit that has put me there. I'm not bitter. I'm not upset about it. I'm content in the life that I live. I'm just glad that over years I've allowed myself, to, I cultured myself intentionally and just through observation to be good at what I do and not necessarily try to be industry because I just saw a lot of falsehoods. Yeah, I've experienced a lot of falsehoods. I'm, I came from that generation of music, uh, sort of like what you were playing before we got started, Phil, from the Stevie Wonder era where, and then even in the church, you know, they put the movie out with Dr. Maddie Moss Clark, God rest her soul. She was such a genius of a lady to me, you know, because uh, she, she was a stickler for raw. Give it, Whoever you are, let us let us enjoy who you are without a bunch of enhancements. Right. So I came from the era of no enhancements needed. So living now in a generation of music that enhancements is what sells. You get most artists, from what my experiences have been, that get a mic and you want to meet all the people that produced them because that can't be who y'all got on the cover. <laughs> that, that just, I mean, is this is this the person's record we're? Purchasing, I'm talking from an era's mindset. No, and that's, that's I think that's you fair because I mean, it, it's it's really coming from the generation you came from. Just I think about the current state of music, mm. and it's sometimes sad. I mean, no, I hear top-selling artists, and I I, I'm, I have a lot of questions. The bar is very a lot low. of questions, especially live. A lot of questions. A lot of questions, and a lot of sympathy. And tolerance, you know, because I came from the era of, yeah. hey, when you come to this stage, if the if all the music shuts down, right. who are you? Will we still want to purchase your record? And emphasis is not being put on that. No. So much more is to sell, you know. But uh, well, Ken, yeah. what do you think happened? Like, <laughs> like we always talk about the state of this and the state. Like, where did we go wrong? Where did we, as the consumer, the listener, the musician, the singer, or what? the music industry? Yeah. <laughs> Where did we go wrong? Yeah. Oh, we started paying people to play music and, you know, money. It, the money thing made it wrong, kind of turned it wrong. People found out what sells and what, what appeals to people. You know, I, I love the word of God. There's a scripture uh, in the word of God that says that there will come a time 
in the last days that people would rather believe a lie than the truth. But that applies just to the mindset of mankind across the board. And it's inclusive in the music piece. It's like what sells today proves that scripture to me. They'd rather believe a lie. They'd rather look at this person who, if you turn off the music and the enhancements and take all that stuff off their voice, they do well talking. That's about as good as it would get. But them trying to sing to be considered an artist, you know, um, man, you know, I remember that one of the final tours that Whitney did on in 2009, Whitney Houston, I went out to Germany on that tour. And I'll never forget one of the reasons I went out because she needed to have some treatment uh, from a doctor to get her voice together. She had been on tour by that time about three months. So her voice was tired, nah, whatever. And we know she had done some damage to her own voice. But she was still a stickler for giving them the real deal. She had a $5 million back line. They could have mm. pressed a button and made the night happen. Right, right, right. You understand? Every night, you got a back line that's at least worth $5 million. And so they got to do is hit a button. You just move your lips and be the star you've been for 25 years at this point. But that's not where she was. She said, I got to give it to them the way I have it, you know. And that's the era I'm from. Be the authentic what you say you are, you know. Crazy. What, what artists would you say are, are carrying the torch in a positive way based on what we just discussed? Like, who's impressive to you right now vocally? Uh, Zacardi Cortez, uh, who's considered to be gospel, but he could sing anything to me. So I'm gonna give you my praise because it's yours anyway. Uh, Zacardi, I love Rasan. Patterson. Can't believe that this is happening. Something's taking over me. I like the person. Uh, they they he's on Instagram as Adamness. Adamness, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Adam yeah. has he's raw talent. What how does that make it? My girl Jasmine is holding up the torch. Oh, yeah. Brandy's got the goods. Um, oh, I was listening to somebody. Tori Kelly's got the goods. And if you lose your soul, you lose it all. If you're at the top, then brace for the fall. Surrounded by faces with no one to call. Um, a lot of gospel because we have had no choice. And that's another reason. You say, where, where, where do we go wrong? Being a representation of, a representative of the gospel music genre, um, to see those people give all of us our one million percent as in performing and delivering the goods, and then ourselves are far lower and our music is not appreciated for the work that we put into it. And the message, I get it. Everybody's not going to do the download is what's crowded. Everybody's not going to buy the message of what comes with Jesus Christ. There's a lot of discipline, a lot of behavior, things you got to really put yourself in check. Right. It's a selfless life. And a lot of people are not going to necessarily sign up for that and pay for it by the millions of dollars. They're not going to support the message of gospel. Now, the sound, I think that's what has happened to gospel. They had to create a sound that uh, is attractive 
enough for people to, for consumers to buy it. And then people used to tell me when I was in the studio, well, we have to make this record where uh, people can sing along. Well, I'm not that type of singer where everybody can sing with me. I get that. <laughs> you sure not. You know, <laughs> right? and, I, and I understand that. And I didn't give myself that gift. But the Lord gave me that gift and I use it the way he gave it to me, but it's not always easy for people to sing along. So I started losing interest in becoming an artist after that. And that right. happened 20-some years ago. Because I'm like, well, if people are not going to sing along, I need to come out of the studio. Let me just find something else to do. Because mm. you know. But, Kim, I don't want you... And again, I can't tell you how to feel. Let me start you. there. But you're too valuable... Way too valuable. Right. To the world. Mm. To the industry. Beyond all... We need your gift. Yeah. And... I understand it's been because you've been signed, obviously, to Pearl Records, to Tommy Boy, to Electra, to yeah. you know what I mean, to Sony over the years, and I, I and I understand the politics of the music industry as we all do. Yeah. But I just hope it doesn't discourage, you. and I hope we do, even if it's a song, because like I know you released a song a few months ago, and 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 Travis had to pull teeth for me to do that. Like I told him, why are we recording this song? Wow, hmm. my heart ain't in this. You hmm. know, I did it. Because I believe in him. I did a video to it the whole night because I'd rather give that much of myself for the sake of somebody else's growth and movement. But I, I loved him enough to do it. It wasn't that I was trying Working to. Working for your good is the song. Yeah. 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 I mean, I'll play a little bit for y'all. Play a little bit. The audience, you should hear this. Yes, it's working. Working for your good. for your good. Yeah, man. You're so needed. <laughs> so like, needed. Yeah, so needed. Announcing the Mocha Podcast Network, an innovative lifestyle podcast network featuring conversations from a black perspective. Curated with respected voices led by actresses and comedians Sherry Shepard and Kim Whitley. We're funny and we have a yes. point of view. We call that edumatainment. That's what we call it. Ed is that what it is? Veteran TV journalist Rolanda Watts. Shocking the heck out of everybody. The legendary Unky Divas in Vogue. This topic is girl groups in the industry. To syndicated broadcast personalities, Lonnie Love and Dee Dee McGuire, as well as an array of experts and activists. Mocha Podcast Network, a lifestyle destination with authentic voices and perspectives designed to enrich and empower women of color with a unique listening experience. More than a destination, the Mocha Podcast Network is a full-service studio that offers an ongoing portfolio of production, distribution, marketing, guest booking, and most importantly, ad sales. With a unique revenue model for podcasters that includes customized promotional campaigns created specifically around podcaster and targeted audience, service social media promos and pushes, MPN brand advertising, targeted electronic newsletter, experienced sales representation, for advertisers, the Mocha Podcast Network is a safe marketplace to align their brands with trusted voices, organically engaging the highly in-demand female consumer and more. With quality over quantity, from concept to completion, now is the time for content creators and brands to join the innovative Mocha Podcast Network and experience unapologetic conversations with a new perspective. In in my opinion, there's a lot of people that have made a mark vocally in music.
but not a lot of people have changed the way people sang Yes. <laughs> You're one of the very few people that after, especially after Everlasting Life album, like people just start singing music differently. Um, so I want to know, when you first set out to do music, what was your goal? And do you think you accomplished that goal that when you first set out? Um, my goal organically was to take the journey of what this was about. I had interest in what this was. It was just, I never had, the, I've never embodied the mindset of, oh, when we finish singing this or when we finish recording this record, is it going to be nominated? I never cared. Mm. Like the year that I was nominated for Grammy, Kimberrell Live, right? I was nominated for three Grammys. I, didn't, I wasn't going. I, I, didn't, I didn't even, I didn't have the desire to go. God forgive me. The first time I was nominated, I did. I did go because of how much the team worked. Mm -hmm. So I wanted to go and represent their work to put the record out. If it were left up to me, I had no interest in going because I just thought it was superficial environment. Mm -hmm. That's me. I'm from the church. So I wasn't on people. Put the duct tape on me. Make sure my dress is glittering. Turn my left. Am I, is this the right side? Is the camera going to get my good side? It just was superficial to me because I just was more of a get up, kill it. You know, you see some of the greatest people sing that have no name, nothing. And it is authentic, rare, raw, incredible, mind-blowing, unforgettable talent. And all they do, the next time you see them, they're out mowing the lawn at the church. They don't want it. So it, it it's not that I desired um, to not be an artist, I guess. I took interest in singing. I just, my, my goal was to sing, that's it, and see how creative I could be with somebody else's pen, somebody else's sound. And uh, eventually, when I saw that you could win awards, I think that I had interest in, in, in just enjoying the award. I don't think I ever, I'll never forget, I got so turned off, I was at a Stellar Awards, they did it in Houston, and I was standing behind stage uh, because I was getting ready to present an award, and I heard one of the artists go, Oh, I know so-and-so's about to get this one because ain't no way they're going to give it to the other person. And I'm like, where are the gospel thing? I'm thinking to myself, is this what we do? Is this what awards make us do? Yeah. You know, and, and, and it discouraged me because honestly, I wouldn't even want anyone to be in favor of me winning it and they're speaking like that. Oh, I know Kim going to get this one because the other one, I wouldn't even want to be a part of that scenario. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. I, uh, so my, I never had, I've never had a goal. I've never had a goal doing this. Hmm. That's my truth. Crazy. I've always, I've always wanted to know because you have been, a, you are a go-to for a lot of secular artists, the R&B and pop artists, like always champion Kim Burrell. I mean, you have people like Brandy saying, "Never say never" in Full Moon. Yeah, she called me while she was recording the record the whole time. Kim Burrell. Yeah. You have the Beyonce's of the world. Even Nelly Furtado was saying how much she loved Everlasting Life. What goes through your head when you hear or when you see somebody like, when you have somebody like who you were close to, Whitney Houston, in the car singing Holy Ghost yeah. and replicating every riff and run on the record? Like, yeah. what goes through your mind when you see that? People who are, you know, crazy popular. Yeah. And they're saying, yo, Kim Burrell is who y'all need to be listening to. Here's like, my truth, and, and thank you for acknowledging those moments. I am a nurturer, and I 
honestly am into the persons. And I've never just, you know, I grew up in a sanctified church where they trained you to embody your gift as that. It's a gift and it can be taken away. Stay humble. Low is the way. And so I embodied that mindset thankfully, because I've had a lot of experiences that if I were not grounded in knowing why it is I do this and very grateful for the gift, oh man, diva personified times a billion because I've had so many opportunities. Like walking in Stevie Wonder's house and just sitting with him is enough to come out saying, don't talk to me. (laughs) You know what I mean? (laughs) It's, it's, It's like you own the moment. You, I would have said, like when you said to me, oh, my experience with meeting you for the first time was bad. And, I, you know, if I really bodied the experiences I've had, I go, well, mission accomplished, Mr. Thornton. You know, <laughs> right, right, right. never, never that, never that. I've always been very grateful in moments like that. And I would interview them and ask them, so what makes you like the song? Or, you know, but never the big head or anything like that. Just interest and in why they have interest in the music or whatever. If your love cannot be moved, I'm so glad that y'all did that record. <laughs> like that is one of my favorite Kimberrell duets for real. Thank you so yeah, much. I that. laugh at that because I think about the experience of it. So as we all believe, Stevie is blind, and I say that as we all believe, because I got him. I called his hand. So we were at we were at uh, uh, Wonderland Studios in LA at that Stevie's studio. So we're in there maybe about an hour or so. And I go, hey Steve, I need to go to the restroom. I didn't know that he was gonna back up from the console, get up and start leading me there. So as he turns and starts walking, I walk behind Steve and I say, hey, 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 wait, wait. Well, well, what is it? I said, I knew it. You've never been blind. This is a 50-year hoax. I said, this is a hoax, Steve. Just stop. I said, I'm calling CNN tonight. I'm breaking it. I'm, this is breaking news. I know you weren't blind. He's just laughing so hard. He goes, I've had this studio for over 25 years. I know where everything is. Right? <laughs> so I said, I'm in shock. So even coming back into the studio where he was, I was, I was in shock. And so that was going joke for the next two or three days. Now, it would not take Stevie Wonder and Kimberell two and three days to do one song. Chuck, you and I have worked together. Right, right. We know better than that, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah. What took two or three days? I'm putting it out there. He's going to have to come on the show to, to right. speak his piece. Come on, Steve. I'm going to tell him to come and do it. But Stevie kept me in that studio because Stevie didn't want me to outdo him. I'm telling you right now. Stevie's a mess. So Stevie had the song. He did his, can you say your name? Would you rather stay unknown? Right? That's the chorus. I go in. I'm doing, I'm doing my part. And he, he's, hey, Kim, go back and do so-and-so-and-so. Of course, it's Stevie, so you do what he says. So I go back and I do it again. I look up. He's sitting behind the console asleep. Like this. He's like this. So I tell Francis, who was his assistant at the time, I say, Francis, touch him. I'm talking to him from behind the glass. I say, Stevie, you live with a blessing um, that some that most of us don't have. I said, it's 3 a.m. in the morning and I'm very sleepy. I said, but you were born. Your eyes say (laughs) night-night. Okay? So you can take a nap whenever you want because you got darkness, right? We we clouded, right? right? He laughs so hard until he falls to the floor out of his chair. We're having a moment. So we're both chuckling very hard. Of course, this is the end of the night. And I go, this is enough. He goes, no, I want you to go to New York to my studio out there and we're going to finish the song. I said, you only want to live with what I laid down so you can try to match it. I said, you're not (laughs) tricking me. So we we had a good time with that, but we ended up doing Wonderland and then finishing finishing it. (laughs) Well, so when we get to New York, 
he does this at the, at the move. There's a move at the end. If your love cannot be moved, right? That's the that's that move that Steve adds to it. And he goes, Yeah, if you're <laughs> Steve say, Yeah, if you're who everybody believes you are, put harmony to it. <laughs> <laughs> right? So I said, well, cue the track, Detroit. <laughs> so he he cues the track, and I go, <laughs> so I did the harmony all the way down. He goes, oh, you think you're so bad? I said, no, you do. You just acknowledge that I'm on my way out, buddy. You know, so we had a good time recording that. It was great, great moments, great man, moments. Yeah. We can't say we shall and not fight through hell. You can't say we will and not dare to deal. You can't shout out peace and then vanish in the crowd. So everyone talks about everlasting life, which I love. Y'all both have referenced it several times already, but this is where I'm gonna go back to the beginning. Okay. Go back to the beginning. 95, and, and again, Try Me Again is on DSP platforms, the 06 reissued version, yeah. but I got the original CD count. You're a trip, Phil. With the purple background, you had the Damn. short bob. Oh, yeah. Like, <laughs> what, what you talking about? <laughs> what? Yeah. What? It's going, for all that's watching on YouTube, you'll see it at the bottom of the screen. This is the original version original. right here. Yeah, of uh, Try Me Again. But I had a song that's such a favorite on that album. I got to play a little bit of it. Please. Home. Y'all remember home? Yeah, Come on now. This is, this is, I just gotta have, a, I gotta have a moment with this with Kim Burrell on We Sound Crazy. Home. Home. Shout out, shout out to Tiffany on the side. Tiffany, lyric for lyric and run for whatever. Hey, that's a classic. That is on the Try Me Again album because I, so often we talk about. Everlasting Life, yeah. which I love. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Love the live album. I love, you know, I, the whole catalog. But that album, yeah. Home, Calvary, yeah. Try yeah. Me Again. What? Calvary, I was 14 when I wrote that song. What? I was 14 years old when I wrote Home. And that is the, that song and Calvary are the only two songs that have never been modified. They always stay the same. I was 14 years old. 14 years That's old. That's crazy. Mm -hmm. And that was me playing piano on their record. Mm-hmm. Wow. Okay, so take me back to 95. Okay. Pearl Records. Yeah. How did this album, this classic, Try Me Again, how did this come to be? And how did you get in contact with Pearl Records? Like, what, where were you? Take us back to 90, because it was 95, right? 95. Okay. It was all mind blowing because uh, locally there was a choir that got started called uh, Inspirational Sounds. God rest the soul of Sean McLemore. Sean McLemore came to Houston uh, with Mike Matthews, who wrote the plays back in the day. And so they ended up staying in Houston um, and meeting with Pro Records owner Sadie Jackson. And so, talking to Sadie, um, they decided that uh, they wanted to start this choir. So I go to the actual recording, and um, while I'm there, they had heard of me because of, uh, I guess, me singing around Trinity Temple, stuff like that. And so they go, that Kim Burrell, that person lives here. So we all meet, and Sadie Jackson says, have you ever thought about recording a record? I said, no, ma'am, I haven't. I, I've never done that. I was 21 at the time, and uh, went in there. And that's how it happened. We, we started writing songs and committed to it, went to the studio, and we got the record done. To this day, it's mind-blowing, because I don't even remember our first day in the studio. I don't remember the first song we recorded. I don't even remember how that album was put together. Mm. It was just like, and I wrote most of what was on that record. It's incredible. It. That mm. first album, I've literally, personally, myself, I've purchased probably 50 copies, literally. 
Like I gifted them to Catherine Bruton to tell you years ago, Wardell Malloy, 112. Because 112 used to clown me, you don't know gospel, you don't know. I was like, well, I know Kirk Franklin. And then when you came along, it was like, well, I know Kim Burrell. And they were like, and 112 and Faith Evans were like, okay, what you you owned something with this one. But that but I would buy the album, gift it to my friends, just people, and I'm like, this is such an awesome DJ's music and video used to be in my hometown of Norfolk, Virginia, a guy named Tony Williams. He's the one who actually turned me on to the album when I went in the record store that day. And so he will tell you, he's like, man, we gotta order more copies. Let me order another 12 for you. Let me order another because it was just it really impacted me musically in such a way. And I didn't know much about gospel at that time outside of Kirk and BB and CC. I thought they were married. So I didn't know that was, you know, I didn't know that was gospel. And I love much shout out to BB and CC. But I did. But in my mind, again, I'm 15 at that time. So I didn't know. And so when I just was listening to the lyrics and just the instrumentation and then hear it like everything that you, you wrote home, that's insane. Oh, wow. I, I feel so honored. Thank you for that. Thank you for making all 50 purchases. <laughs> See, I Sound scan back in the day. Yeah, had, baby. I had to backtrack because I, I was introduced to you via Everlasting Life. But the crazy thing is you talk about the record store. Literally this summer, I was in Pensacola, Florida, visiting my sister. And everywhere I go, I try to like hit up the mom and pop record stores because I collect vinyl and I still buy CDs, people. like Yes. It's... A thing for me still and I was going through the CDs and Kim Burrell try me again was right there and I was like and like the copies online are like crazy expensive yeah. and I found this this copy for like less than ten dollars I was like yeah I'm, I'm grabbing this so yeah. so I, I have it and I have every Kim Burrell album in my collection now thank so thank you for that I appreciate it I just wish we had Kim Burrell on vinyl but <laughs> yeah. that would be great that would be amazing you know what somebody did it uh, as a gift to me, one huge record. It's a vinyl record with my stuff on it, but I have it at, at home. Yeah. We sound crazy. Kim, I got to ask, what would you say? Because I mean, you're such a musical genius, and but who would you say is your Mount Rushmore of music? How many I get? Four. Four. Uh, Stevie. When you feel your life's too hard, just go have a talk with God. Uh, Jay-Z. From standing on the corners popping, to driving some of the hottest cars New York has ever seen. For dropping some of the hottest verses rappers ever heard. From the dope spot with the smoke block, clinging the murder scene. You know me well. For okay. Um... Mm. All things Twinkie Clark. And I Man, it's a toss up. Collins and Sting. Come on. <laughs> I couldn't wow. just put one. So take a look at me now. There's just an empty space. There's nothing left. What, what, what Jay-Z record or album that, does Kim Burrell have on her playlist? So Not you, one. No. No. What I, what, he's, he's a Mount Rushmore uh, participant in this moment because of his brain. 
I like how he thinks. Yep. And he's a businessman. And then I know his story. You know, Jay called me uh, when he put out 444. At the time, I didn't know that was going to be the name of the record. But he called me in and he said, hey, well, my wife is going through it. I always know because I hear you playing in the background. He says, my wife locked up one day for 11 hours and I heard nothing but Kimberell for 11 hours. He said, but here's why I'm calling you. When she came out, she was better. He says she was so much better. He says, and I'm calling you because I need to have a meeting with the person that made my wife better. And so I flew to him and he was in the studio at the time making 444. And he hadn't, at least I didn't know he had named it or, or uh, the record. And we sat and we talked for about four and a half hours with things that were so intimate that I would never, ever share. Mm -hmm. And uh, that's why he goes on my Mount Rushmore, because of our personal encounter. But it does not take away from his ability. His ability is matchless to me. Now, it comes to rap, uh, one of my all-time favorites is Busta Rhymes. Here we go now, here we going now, here we going now. Give it away, give it away, give it away now. Give it away, give it away, give it away now. Yeah, yeah, Buster, yeah, yeah. one of mine but, too. Yeah, Eminem is that piece because recently Eminem, when hey, first of all, that's talent. That's extreme talent. I'm looking at this guy's mouth moving to everything he's saying. That's extreme talent. And he and Buster, but Buster um, impressed me too. But for gospel, Brother Haas. Haas McMillan is my guy. One book, yeah. one God, <laughs> one spirit, son died. One truth, one faith, <laughs> one trip, one pride. Haas was in the rap game in the R&B world, whatever, but he rappers gospel now. But Haas is a force, and I love him, you know, because I wasn't a rap artist, you know, a, a rap lover. Coming up, you know, that was, oh, you know, listening to that kind of music, you know, not being in church. But you can't ignore raw talent. Yeah. Yeah. But that's the Rushmore. That's Very a strong Mount Rushmore, though. Yeah, yeah, that is. Very few gospel artists have been able to reach outside of gospel music to touch people like you just shared that story yeah. without losing its authentic authenticity. Sure. You know what I'm saying? So speak to me about how how you were able to navigate the pop world without sacrificing your message. I am convinced of God. I'm convinced of what that relationship is for me and my convictions, and I have standards. Mm -hmm. And there are some things that, with the standards that I have, if I cross a certain line, it now becomes profane. Mm -hmm. So I'm very careful about not becoming profane, not even in thought, because your actions are soon to follow. And uh, I made a commitment to God in relationship with Jesus Christ. And there are certain things that some engage in in other walks of life that if I were to do that or condone it or endorse it or be a part of it, it would make my understanding a profane or even false one. So mm -hmm. I'm very convicted about my convictions. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. That's amazing. Amazing. Mm -hmm. Crazy. They're calling a mystery. But we're going to call victory. We'll be writing history. I see a victory. Yeah. By our guest this week, Kim Burrell, featuring my VA brother, Pharrell Williams. Yeah. Ooh, Hidden Figures. That was what, 2016? Yeah. Yeah. 2016, sure enough. So, Kim, during that time, I remember you were on the promo trail promoting that single, that soundtrack for the film, and hit a bit of controversy. Yeah, that's what they call it. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I don't want to rehash everything that happened because that's, 
unless you want to address some elements, but how did you feel? Because I know at one point, tell me if this is true. There was an Ellen DeGeneres performance that you were supposed to appear on, uh-huh. and it was pulled as a result of some of the things that were saw that were people saw online and some things that were trending. Were you one supposed to be on the show? Yeah, I was. And it was pulled as a result of what was. Yeah. Got it. Yeah. How did you feel that it was handled? I mean, from again, because Pharrell's a friend to all of us. Like, did you feel like, in hindsight, is there something that could have been done differently from your perspective, from others that were involved? Perspective. Oh sure. Uh, there was a whole lot that could have been done differently. Uh, for one, uh, it should have been considered, seemingly, that cancel culture thing increased right about then. You know, yeah, I hadn't did. heard of it before, but the cancel culture piece, boy, I tell you, I, I, I glory in those days because um, I was chosen to be put in that position. Um, and I know God had a divine purpose for me, um, but I have not shared that, um, uh, that I was shot at. Um, I had helicopters flying over my home. I had constables, sheriffs, um, living outside my house for seven days, one would drive off another, it was 24 hours. The Muslim nation came to my church and they were security for 45 days. Um, without me asking, they just came and said, we we wake up to die, so we don't care. We feel like there are not enough people supporting our sister, so we're showing up. And I'm not of the necessary Muslim faith, I'm not against it. I have, I'm, I have a very, very big relationship there. But uh, they came and uh, there are a lot of details about that. Matter of fact, speaking of Stevie, when all the news started going crazy, Stevie, <laughs> Stevie called me and says, I don't like what I'm hearing. And uh, what is really going on? I, 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 I need you to come to me. He buys an airline ticket, and me and my assistant flew to Stevie, and I was in the middle of the flight going, he says I need to come there so he can protect me. Who's protecting him? You know, I'm just mm-hmm. laughing, right? Yeah, yeah. So... Uh, I went and hung out with Stevie for about two or three days, just kind of until we thought it was going to blow over. It is still going on. I still get death threats. People still call the To office. this day? Yeah, after five years, six years. People still call and give hate mail, so much stuff. It's, it's Y'all need to cut it out. <laughs> wow. No, no, it's, it's, no it, believe it or not, it is still happening heavily. And uh, our office, it, it calmed down for a minute, then it, it gets back big, you know, at that time, but you know, one of the most touching things, I, I was in Jamaica, honest to God, working, and I got a phone call from Jamie Foxx. Jamie says, hey, I need you to know something. I said, okay. He says, this is probably about three years after it had happened. He says, I called Ellen. I said, you did? He said, yeah. He said, I called her and I told her, you got this one wrong. Mm-hmm. He said, she's done too much for our community and for music. Right. And I just think, that this should not have been handled that way. Now when it comes down to Pharrell and I, I'll be honest with you, Pharrell called me as soon as he had done the show, uh, Ellen's show, and he goes, hey, did you see me? Uh, did you hear me defend you? And I, you know, <laughs> I said, that wasn't a defense. You know, I said, you and I come from church. You know what church is about. I said, you should have given them my church answer and not allowed that moment to look like I was spewing hate. How mm. can I sing about God and I got hate in my heart? Stop that. All you had to do was explain to them that there is a culture in charismatic black churches. Like, I'll never forget, I went to London, England. I'm going to finish that. I went to London, England. I'm standing there, time to switch out money. As soon as I got there, right? They go, exchange your money as soon as you get there at the airport, whatever. I get there. Church lingo, y'all get this. I'm switching my money out. They reach me the money with the queen on the on the money. I go, all right, mother, you better have your own money. Y'all know that. We call her your mother in the church. All right, mother. I said, 
just to myself. All right, mother, you better have your own money. The lady sitting behind that window says, Her Highness the Queen. She corrected it. So I'm like, how did, did she? No, all she heard me was refer to the lady as mother. Even though that's an in, a term of endearment, that wasn't what her name was. So they corrected it. So my point about that is that church lingo, church jargon, church energy, and people never really heard about the real story behind that. And one day I'm going to break it all the way down. What they didn't know, I had uh, a, a homosexual person living in my home at that time upstairs. I purchased HIV medicine for people that call me mama that are still in that, that have never, ever left my side, that I had to make them not fight. Y'all calm down. They don't get it. They don't know you. Hey, 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 hey. This is new. Let it do what it's going to do. It's going to be okay. Uh, You should have been on Ellen. They didn't have to snatch that. Relax. Whatever is meant for me is going to be for me. Honestly. Everybody chill. So I did more of having to put out fires with people who love me than sitting and worrying, I don't know why this happened to me. Are you kidding? Stop it. I was born for it. I was born for controversy because I know how to embody the the cares of other people. I really started caring about the people who had the misunderstoods. Some of the stuff I was hearing that were of a negative tone, it didn't bother me, especially coming from people that didn't know me. I got that. I said, maybe in time they'll get it. They'll just have to see my character. I'm not running, hiding anything. But I told Pharrell, I said, no, I don't think you did such a good job representing me because you know Church of God in Christ, your family Church of God in Christ, and you know how we talk, you know how we think. I just think you should have taken a different perspective on how you answer that if you were going to defend me. And then, more than anything, if we were to go through judging people based on their actions, Ellen shouldn't have a show, such and such shouldn't have this one, this one shouldn't have a career, if we just went off of people doing things that are offensive to others. Because like I told him, nobody ever interviewed me and asked me what was offensive to me about the people that say I offended them. You know, so it's not a it's not a fair playing ground, but it's okay. I, I um God has been good to me throughout all of that. You know, oh we're gonna stop your music. It's okay. I made good investments. <laughs> I'm all right. right. You know, things are well. It, you know, but what would you say if you saw Ellen today? Oh, you know, I got a call actually from her folks and they she was doing a show on forgiveness. And that take an interest in having me. But then uh, I told whoever it was that if I came on the show, I would have to be able to have my own camera crew because I couldn't take a chance on my words being tossed about, that I want to have to have the footage of the raw footage. And, um, but, but your question to me was... What would you say if, if, you, if you literally walked into the lobby just now and Ellen DeGeneres is in the lobby, what would you say to her? I probably wouldn't say anything. You know, I probably wouldn't speak or anything because I'm an introvert. But if we had the conversation, she found out that this is the Kim Burrell because as she acknowledged, she didn't know me. Well, I knew of her and I'm glad to celebrate her success. But I would probably say to her, well, I'm the Kim Burrell that you canceled. And once you and I get to know each other, I know you don't have enough TV time to apologize to the world for canceling me because you and I would be best friends because her personality and character is so funny. And the crazy thing about it, it almost was like an experience like what you described in meeting me. It felt like to me, like, man, I've been loving her all these years. And she canceled me over that. And we haven't met each other. Okay, it's no problem. That's her prerogative. That's her show. It's okay to do that. But I would sit at home and cry and go, oh, my God. She's getting somebody else a car. She's sending somebody else to school. She's paying somebody else's rent. She's getting somebody else a house built. This woman has the God factor, you know, all the time, all the time. And um, so I would meet her and let her know probably the words that I just shared, how much I love what she has done for the 
world and for people that she never met before. And I just happened to be one of the ones that she had never met before that she didn't think enough to have a conversation with me. Because here, here it is, if I were in her shoes, if a person is having status enough to be on a movie with Pharrell, before I decide off of one video that you don't know whether or not it's been doctored up, whatever, right. the few things that you saw, have the conversation. Because had she heard the backstory, she would be like, I, I get it. Because the backstory is very interesting. I just, I can't and won't deliver it here because I have a, a different agenda for that. Mm -hmm. yeah. uh, because it, you know, all of the backlash was way too big for right. me not to address it one day in my yeah, own yeah, way. Yeah. yeah. Thank you for a, your honesty. A, a, a lot of a lot of um, a lot of the things that we deal with, especially in cancel culture, is a is a result from people feeling like the world should evolve into something new or something. But I'm wondering, from your perspective, if religion or if if our faith evolves, then is it still our faith? Because shouldn't that be style, solid? Shouldn't it be? Shouldn't it stay the same? It, our faith should stay the same. Uh, evolution reveals growth. Mm. Evolution doesn't reveal uh, halting, stopping. Yeah. Uh, if we're going to evolve, if you're going to cancel a culture, so to speak, make sure you have that and something greater than what you're canceling right. to represent that. Because you can't, you who can erase? It's, it's amazing that we're in this place, all of this history. No one, look how much music has evolved. We still honor Thomas Dorsey. Yeah, you yeah, can't yeah. have gospel music and not bring up Thomas Dorsey. Right, right. What? You can't. Bottom line. And, you know, I think it's, it's, it's a bold, unnecessary take on things because people who usually initiate canceling culture haven't lived long enough to create one. You know, they are sometimes in in a position to pretty much say, uh, "I want to cancel what I refuse to understand," right. and that is immature to me, and it's unnecessary. And you you can't say that you want to end somebody's career because you don't like what they do. What if somebody followed them around with a camera, and we decided, "Oh, we're gonna get you fired." Because I think you mishandled that lady at the gas station. College job, fire. Yeah. You know, that's no different than cancel culture. So it's just judgmental. I don't like the mentality of it. It's unnecessary. I agree. Yeah. We sound crazy. The one and only, the late great Whitney Elizabeth Houston. I love that lady. <laughs> like, oh my God. Yeah. You're. Kim, you're sitting next to probably Whitney's. Timon is like the biggest Whitney fan, knows every song, every. But Whitney Houston, your dear friend, I love to hear like a fond memory of Whitney. Laughter. You know, nobody could laugh like <laughs> she and I together. We, um, um, it makes me appreciate you a thousand times that you loved her like that. When you love people, you love the people that love them too, you know. Uh, fond memory. <laughs> Wendy and I were at, a, at her, well, we were at a place in Alpharetta where she was staying. It was probably about a week after she did the 30th anniversary for Michael Jackson. And that's when everybody, oh, she's so thin, you know. And so I flew to Atlanta and I met her in Alpharetta and she picked me up and uh, when I saw her, 
I was startled. I just, she was very small, but I couldn't show that because I was there for her. And um, she was uh, in the process of, um, I'll just say, gathering herself. And so I went to kind of usher her out of that a bit just to kind of be some strength. And I remember we ended up at the house and um, we were laughing and that was one night when he decided to tell me some of her uh, relationship secrets. Yeah, man. And so that was about a six hour hangout. It was just she and myself. And uh, some of the details she was talking about. Man, okay, I'm gonna give y'all one. I'm gonna give you, oh, golly, don't you come messing with me in my dreams. Um, <laughs> she said, Oh, God, okay, go on, tell it. I'm so loyal. Okay, she says, Honey, Eddie spent more time in the mirror than me, right? Eddie Murphy. So um, they like, tell, So tell, what, what's the big deal? That was it. Uh, she and I just talked about a lot of detail stuff. So anyway, we would end up laughing. I'm sorry, my words are so slow because whenever I talk about her, I think yeah. a lot about a lot of moments. We had, we had, what people don't know, we had 16, seven, 18 years of sisterhood. I didn't go public. You know, most people would be like, yeah, I just left Whitney. Right, and, right, right, uh, right. Give me a flat. You know what I mean? <laughs> I, yeah, yeah. <laughs> nah, not going to do that. <laughs> because our relationship was built on trust and privacy because yeah, of the yeah, yeah. status of what she was, you yeah. know. And uh, uh, another incident, uh, I told her, I said, now listen, Whitney, you and I are riding around in your car at the time. The Porsche truck was brand new, and she had one. And uh, she said, I need, I need to change my phone out. I said, but wait, you and I are alone. There's no security. Just, you got to lay low. You barely have on, you You got on shades. Everybody's going to know this is you. Oh, oh, no, 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 no. I'm just going in. The person already know I'm coming in. I'm getting my phone. I'm coming out. I said, okay. We walk into T-Mobile. Who going to take care of me? I said, wow. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Wow. Okay. I said, give me your keys. I said, no, no, no. Give me your keys. I said, because I'm going to the car. You're not having to do me like this. Bro. What? We just, we just finished talking, and you told me you knew it. So... The person, they were like, they were startled. Are you here to see somebody, ma'am? I'm not nobody's ma'am. They're expecting, you are a ma'am. Whitney, you, you are ma'am. This man, that, what are you going to walk up? Hey, Whitney, you know, come on. He's trying to be respectful. She was such a trip. But that was my sister, man. And uh, a lot of great memories. A lot of great memories. Uh, I've, I've always appreciated how, like, like, even after she's left us, like, you've always covered her. Oh, and yeah. You've just always been the you and Cece and just and just a few others have just always wanted to shed light on the the great person that she was. And I always like listen to, I was telling you in the in the back, I listen to your interviews all the time and just always sit and wish like, man, I just wish I would have gotten that moment to kind of witness firsthand what they always talk about. Um, oh, I'm man. interested to know, what are your thoughts, if you've seen the trailer for the, the new um, movie that's about to come out before the end of the year, and just what your thoughts are on it? <laughs> you know, honestly, organically speaking, I would love to know her reaction, because I, I could hear her going, now what? <laughs> are y'all not done? <laughs> right, you right. know, um, and <laughs> I saw a little bit, I, unintentionally, it was on something, and I go, 
Okay, and the reason I paid attention to it because I just left from shooting a documentary about her about two or three months ago here at uh, a different location. You were in my building, I heard. Okay, yeah. In so, Brentwood. Bingo. First floor. Right. Mm -hmm. So we are shooting the documentary on her Christianity. So it's a documentary to come out Easter of next year. And so in talking about that, Whitney thought she was somebody's pastor. She's, she's trying to be so spiritual, you know. And uh, when she talked about God, you couldn't beat her. You know, I'll never forget. She called me and said, hey, sissy, I, I need to get out of here. I said, well, just come on. I'm going to send the sheriff to the airport and get you. This is uh, way before uh, the buildings were hit, all of that stuff in New York and all of that. So I'd send a sheriff to escort her from her gate. She'd come to the house, and uh, she always wanted the same thing. I want some greens. I want, I want sweet potato pie. I want Italian cream cake and, and uh, any kind of soul food. So I had all this food waiting on her. She eats. She and my son would play in the bed, fall asleep. They play and they just messing up all kinds of stuff. Boy, she could eat. Good Lord. <laughs> and um, so afterwards, I took her to her hotel because at first she wasn't wanting to go. She calls me at 3 a.m. I said, you Okay. No. I said, what's wrong? I want some red hats. <laughs> I said, you, what, you want some what? I want some red hats and some uh, lemon heads. I said, candy? I said, where? It's 3 a.m. What, the store ain't open at 3? <laughs> I said, God, dog. So I said, I'm on the way. Dog on it. I fussed the whole time getting there. But I was going to go. She, I had her sport. She had me sport too. But I went and picked her up, got the red hats. She goes, I'm real hungry. <laughs> I said, what you want? Give me that uh that water burger. I said, we had the water burger, you know, in 24 hours in Houston. Mm -hmm. Man, that girl was a mess. Do you have a favorite Whitney Houston song? Uh, I look to you. Yeah. Ooh. No, 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 no. No, I gotta go way back. When she first came out. Uh, you give good love. Yeah. Let me tell you something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Play that you give that. good love. Who's that? Cause she did that? Uh, yeah. She's yeah, in yeah. La La. I, oh, her heart is all the way in it. She sang, sang, mm -hmm. you know. I'll, I'll play a little bit of that. That's a classic. We got yeah. it. To much, baby, you give good love. So I, I have this theory about music today um, <clears throat> as far as the state of music, and I, I feel like what it's missing is the knowledge of church music. Like, I think... That no matter what your output is, like Whitney, when I hear that, that's clearly a pop record. And she's clearly singing a pop record. But I also hear all of the church in there. Yeah, yeah. Because it's about the delivery. It's about understanding how to get emotion out of what you're saying. You got to believe it's, 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 it's a conviction. Do you agree with that theory? I totally agree with it as to why you are the acclaimed person that you are. Because everybody doesn't have that perspective because they don't have that kind of care. Mm. You like the organics of what music represents. Right, like I'm right. sitting here tripping on how young she was and her placement, placement. and the nuances yeah. yes, and yeah, her yeah, ability yeah. and her control and the, her projection. And she was a born artist. And she had, um, believe it or not, you know who one of her most favorite artists was? Her mother. So check it. Whitney picks me up and she goes, I want you to hear this song. I said, okay. She plays a song from the Drinkard Singers, who was her mom's family name. And Whitney starts playing this song and starts crying. 
in the car. She knew every move, everything that her mother made in that lead and the backgrounds, right, Phil? So I'm, I'm, I start observing her. She pulls over and she starts shaking her leg and she's crying. I said, tell me what you're feeling. She says, my mother taught me everything I know. And when I listen to Whitney, especially that Whitney, you can hear her mother's sound. You can hear that texture because mm -hmm. her mother trained her very, very well. And, um, and then she sang a lot at the church. Whitney loved the Lord. And that's what I loved. One of the other things I really loved about her is that she knew where to place that gospel. It didn't matter. And as she got older, she, didn't, she was offended if people tried to keep it out of her show. Oh, she was deliberate about that. We did the show when she was in Germany, and she got up singing. She would close the show with I Love the Lord. Oh, man, that girl was something. That, now, that's one of my most favorite soundtracks is from The Preacher's, Preacher's wife. wife. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Incredible. Yeah. I think, Ooh. Yeah. yeah. I could listen. I could sit here and listen to you talk about Whitney all day. Oh. Yeah, for real. <laughs> oh, and I could. I loved her that much. Yeah. We sound crazy. So, Kim, we're going to have a little fun real quick. Come on. We have a game here, We Sound Crazy, called Keep or Kill. <laughs> no! Okay, go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> so, so Keep or Kill is you're not literally having to kill anybody. Right. But you just, the keep is basically who you're more partial to. Yeah. Okay. So, so we give you artist A or option A and option B, and you say, I'm going to keep B. Okay. Which is the one that you're, is your favorite of the two. Oh, okay. Geez. Man, I got a lot of relationships out here, bro. I know, we, we know, we know, we know. Okay, let's go. Okay. Stevie Wonder or Donnie Hathaway? Oh, come on. That's unfair. Uh, I'm keeping Stevie. Okay. Fantasia or Jennifer Hudson? I'm keeping Fantasia. Jasmine Sullivan or Brandy? Mm. I'm keeping me. <laughs> <laughs> Because, I mean, they're both descendants of Kim Burrell. I mean, let's be honest. I was going to say Brandy or Layla Hathaway. Ooh. 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 Oh, oh, Lordy. Oh, Lord. Oh, no. <laughs> I can't do that. No, I, no, I have, we're I have too one. close. Okay. We, we kind of touched on this earlier, the, the two Brandy albums. Full Moon or Never Say Never, because I know you were saying that. Oh, Full Moon. Okay. Forever. Yeah. Okay. yeah. I got one. Preaching or singing? For me? Yeah. Ooh, who? Singing. Yeah. The Clark Sisters or the Pay Sisters? Clarks. Everlasting Life or Try Me Again? Everlasting Life. Okay. Oh... Uh, Boys to Men or Jodeci? Hey! <laughs> Which era of Jodeci? Ay, ay, ay. Man, boys, boys to Jodeci. <laughs> Ella Fitzgerald or Sarah Vaughn? Oh, man, y'all don't. Y'all not playing fair today. Oh, man. Come on, Ella. Keep it, Ella. Oh, sorry, Sarah. Kirk Franklin or Donald Lawrence? Donald Lawrence. I like that answer. Usher or Chris Brown? Usher. Mary J. Blige or Faith Evans? 
Mary. I was gonna say Mary J. Blige or Mary Mary. <laughs> See how you do? <laughs> do me like this. No, there's just oh, yeah. Anita Baker or Anita Baker. <laughs> right. Oh, it's Evangelist Baker. Had to take her home. Oh, uh, that girl there. No, I'm kidding. Okay. Anita Baker or Tony Braxton? Oh, Anita. Okay. I'm gonna take it a little jazz. Lena Horn or Shirley Horn? Shirley. Yes. Shirley all day. Yes, yes, yes. Yeah. The, the, the ultimate classic one that we always do is Michael Jackson or Prince. Prince. Give me some. Okay. Yes. yes. Prince. See? Okay. That is... Prince. Yeah, that might have been the first Prince, right? Yeah, yeah probably. People usually you do Michael yeah. Jackson. I like that. Prince. Yeah. See? We knew Kim was going to have fun. Yeah, man. It was definitely. That makes sense, though, because Prince was the... the Constantly like musician. musician. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Did you ever meet Prince? I did. You know, and upon our first meeting, it was a Grammy weekend, and he was singing. A choir was singing behind him. Matter of fact, not just a choir. My brother's choir, his guy Walker's choir, and Prince was not coming to the sound check or rehearsal. So his person, oh, Benny Medina. So yeah. Benny calls and says. Hey, the artist, the gospel artist, Kim Burrell is here. Do you not know he got dressed? And he comes to the studio and he goes, when he comes in, it's a Rutgers, even with, I mean, I was starstruck. I mean, all I could do was stare at him from a distance. And uh, I really had no reason to be there because I wasn't singing or anything, but I was invited to come. And I said, this is really him standing out here. Okay, cool. Let me get myself together. So I go out and... uh they introduced us, and he goes, you and I are going to be really good friends. That is all he said to me. He says, you and I are going to be really good friends. And he went on, and they walked him off somewhere else. I said, well, wow. I, and as he's walking, I'm going, I look forward to it. <laughs> Come back. Like Jack and I, Titanic. Come back. That girl with that Jack. <laughs> I was wanting Prince to come back. Oh my God. I was just like, man, where are you going? My sister captured the moment. She has a picture of it. I was blown away. Incredible. Yeah. Is there an artist that you've never collaborated with or a producer or songwriter that you're like, I would love to collaborate with? Tony Bennett. I want to sing with Tony Bennett so bad. I know he's older. I don't know. I heard that they, he has dementia and all that stuff, whatever. Yeah. But I would take whatever he would give. Mm. I, I wouldn't even care if it were in tune. Mm. I I just want he is the classiest, most one of the most talented, amazing mm. voices. His texture and tone, there's no one like Tony Bennett. And I remember we did the show at the Apollo and it was something for the Grammys again. And Stevie was on, Chick Korea, myself, Ty Tribbett was a gospel representation. You had Tony Bennett. Uh, even my girl was still in it, Amy Winehouse. I would have loved to have worked with her, too. And I didn't realize that I was one of her favorite artists. She documented that, but they showed me the video. I love Kim Burrell. I'm like, <laughs> what? So, but Tony Bennett, if I could just sing with him one time, I really would not care anymore about doing nothing. He represents that for me. And I definitely won't desert her. With the rest of those girls. Thank you. That's why the lady is a tramp. That's crazy. Uh, me and Claude went to, uh, he was on tour with uh, Lady Gaga, maybe. Yep. 
four or five years ago. That's right. And to this day, Sting, John Mayer, and Tony Bennett was one of my, some of my favorite concerts I've ever been to. Okay. That was like one of the most special shows I've been to, and his voice was incredible. John Mayer is a force. A force. That I see guy, him every time he's in a town, I'm going to see it. He is a force, Chuck. Yeah, 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 yeah. And watching him do what he does effortlessly, oh, I tell you, but uh, yeah. That that's a goal. I wish just, I could do. It's just sitting here, 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 hearing you talk about just all of these artists. It yeah. just, I mean, of course, following you all these years, I, I knew this, but it just makes so much sense. And you can't be as great as you are oh, and not yeah. be immersed in the gifts of other people. And I just so appreciate that, yeah. that Thank about you, you because there are a lot of singers. Unfortunately, a lot of people in the gospel world, on the, 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 in the faith-based world, that just will automatically scoff at someone that might sing a different kind of music than they do. Oh, yeah. And I just love and respect that you appreciate other gifts. Oh, are you kidding? I'm a, I'm a Elton yeah. John fan. Love it. I love everything Sting. I was addicted to Chicago back in the day. Ooh, yeah, yeah. Pop me the same side. Just listened to a Chicago record <laughs> the other day. You know. Hey, listen. So I'm Chuck, I gotta talk to you because I want to redo some of those songs. Come on, come on. I have to. I but the, those are the songs that made me feel alive. You know, yeah. gospel, they be sitting, sitting in church going, Have you tried Jesus? And I'm sitting in my mind in my mind in church, sailing, take me away yes. <laughs> to where I'm going. Right? And they just have you tried my Jesus? And I'm going, sailing. You know, y'all keep right on going yeah, yeah, as yeah. you were. Yeah. There's so many of us that feel the same way. Yeah, yeah. zoning out, wow. you know. <laughs> yeah, what y'all know about sailing? What you know about that? That's crazy. It, it just it boggles my mind how people, whether you create it or just listen to it, it boggles my mind that anybody that experienced music and don't see it as a gift. It's a gift. It like, is a gift. That moment, because you were catching chills, and I had chills going all down through my body. You know what I'm saying? It. That moment was a gift. It. Yes. Like, it made my life better. Just listening to a song, he recorded that years yeah. and years ago, but today, that yeah. made my life better. Yeah. I just love the music. Like, music just, it takes me to a place. Man. Like, that song literally just... That's okay. crazy, man. Yeah, incredible. It really is. We sound crazy. So, so Kim, a few months ago, we're gonna have another good one. You said some things that at another clip that went viral. <laughs> oh God! Oh my! Yeah, I, I, I just remember the headline saying people being called broke and ugly or something. <laughs> and I looked at the video and I said, "Oh my!" So. One, we got to make sure people stop. But they didn't need to put their camera phones down when they're in it with you. Just enjoy the moment, first of all. Enjoy the moment. You know, and I, I feel the same way at concerts, even though I'm guilty of sometimes capturing. But sometimes we need to be in the moment because sometimes things can be taken out of context. And people context, would doctor yeah. and chop up and edit videos. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What happened? Okay. Uh, first and foremost, there is a tape that shows the truth. Like, it's crazy. Everything that they put out was a botched up, Stupid thing. So here's a backstory. I was minding my business, preparing to go there 
I was supposed to fly into Charlotte where that took place a day before. I get a call from Tyrese Gibson, the actor. Well, Tyrese calls me mom, although we're not that much of a difference, but you know, whatever, in age. Tyrese goes, I'm, he had just finished doing a movie in London. He had just made it back to the States. He says, I need to, I need to talk to you. I don't like how I'm feeling right now. Bless you, bless you. I said, but I got to go to Charlotte uh, today. And uh, he says, no, come to Atlanta and I'll go to Charlotte with you. So I did that. I go to Atlanta. I'm sitting with Tyrese for a day. And we get in his vehicle and he drives me to Charlotte so that he and I could spend more time. Mm. We pull up. So Tyrese is at church with me. I've always been an advocate for certain things. God has always put me in that place to carry people, walk them through, whatever. Far more than what people know because I don't advertise. But anyway, here's to the story. They call me up. As I said before, there's church jargon. In my dissertation, people called it a sermon. I wasn't there to preach. There was a preacher for the night. I was there to sing. I was giving my opening remarks. As I start talking about describing using the word ugly, I was, it was metaphorically speaking, I was actually describing the pastor, his personality. Mm. I said, we honor and thank God for Dr. Brian Karn because he's just as much as he's a preacher, his, in his humanness, he is just as much. Everybody knows him that knows him. He's a jokester and he's very, very outspoken. Mm. I said, in other words, if you're ugly, you're just ugly. In other words, I'm making a statement as if he would. Mm -hmm. I wasn't going to break that down in my interviews and goes, I was describing the pastor. Yeah. They would say, oh, he calls people ugly too? No, y'all ain't going to get that either. Mm. So I didn't even bother to do that. I let it all just stay on me. But that's what I was doing. I was saying, y'all know him, because if he call you ugly, you're just ugly. He ain't going to change it, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. They go, Cam been calling people ugly. What? I even made the statement. I haven't decided to call anybody ugly yet. Y'all said, ooh, I ain't calling nobody ugly. So, but they took it and said, yes, you did. And he said, all I did, I did deliberately say, we need to check our friends. It's time to come up. If you're going to have friends, make sure that they're not the kind of friends that's going to drain you. It's only fair. Mm. They don't know my story behind that. I have embraced a lot of people that I ended up having to carry, not only financially, but emotionally. Mm. So it was my encouragement to go, if you're on the come up, just make sure that you're not surrounded by people who are going to bring you down. That was the synopsis. They took it somewhere else. So when you, when you, when you talk about um, people editing uh, your words, mm. do you think that's an attack on you? Yes. Do you think it's an attack on the church? Or Both. do you think it's an attack on the truth? It, all three. Okay. They, they still, there are some people who still hold grudges, like I told you, from the five, six-year situation yeah. that grab that and go, told y'all. Yeah, yeah, yeah. She yeah, hates. Yeah, yeah, yeah. She's yeah. a hater. You know? So a lot of that is still whatever. And then... Um, Attack on the truth, because truth is what it is. Right. It's truth. Some people say, I have a truth. Whatever you may observe in life and gather to be what you think is an accumulation of what makes you you, that is. But there are some things outside of us that is an undeniable truth, the truth yeah. that we must have, we have to face. And so sometimes it's hard for people to embrace. I'm... I can receive truth. I think that's why I give it. And then my motive, my heart is pure. Right, and right. I don't mean to hurt nobody's feelings. I'm just a very outspoken person. Right. And I just say what is on my heart, and it is never with the intent to hurt anybody. Oh, she's bitter. That's why she always... At what? 
I love life. I'm fine as all get look at me. <laughs> <laughs> you know, you and, me? I love life. I love people. Right. I, 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 I love taking care of people. Yeah. I love being a friend. Mm. I love my role as a sister. Mm. I enjoy my role as a daughter. I was a great granddaughter to my grandparents before they passed away. All four of them, you know. And so... I have so much to be grateful for, and I love people. There is no one that meets me and gets close, and they don't become addicted because I have a way of seeing people. I don't. People say, "Oh, I love hard." I don't. I love thoroughly. I'm attentive. I like paying attention. I'm considerate. Consideration is key to me. If I consider you, I'm going to tell you straight up from now on, until I know we're good, good feel. I'm going to always posture myself to make sure you know that I'm glad to see you. Mm -hmm. Because you made me aware of that moment. Mm -hmm. Something in my heart's gonna always wanna make sure that that is done, right. that that's fixed. Because not only am I an introvert, not only am I a creative, mm -hmm. some people don't believe in whatever, uh, and not saying that I do, but the, the, the zodiac piece, yes, the Virgo thing, I'm a Virgo. Oh. Got it? Got it, understood. Forgive me even more now, I forgive right? you, I'm an Aries, I okay. get it even more. <laughs> and guess what, Aries and Virgos, well, it's, I heard Virgos and Tauruses get along the best. Mm -hmm. But Aries and Virgos bump heads because we're leaders, but also we're sensitive people. We are very sensitive folks. And if you don't explain it to us, but the good thing I like about the Taurus, y'all going to stick to what you feel, and you, but you won't stop there. You will be open like you just revealed yeah. to find out truth, correct it, and move forward. But um, I heard The Aries, the, by the way. The, the Aries, Aries, not the, Aries. the Taurus, the Aries. And uh, But that's going to be a concern of mine. I'm going to want to know. I look into your soul, your eyes, and know that you're okay with Kim. Because look how long you lived with that. That meant something. Yes. Yeah. Yes. And that's the part that makes me want to fix it until yeah. I know that we are so good. We are good. Yeah, man. Yeah. And I appreciate that. And I appreciate you moving forward saying, although I felt like that, although Tamar said what she said, I'm still going to have a cup. Because you're in a position that if you wanted to block me, this is a great platform. You could have decided, now I wanted to come. You could have pulled that Ellen. How you doing, Ellen? <sighs> and so it's all good. It's all good. Yeah. Wow. We sound crazy. Yeah. We have a segment on this show called um, um, uh, Crazy Corner. And this it's where we take a topic or a person and put them in the corner for being crazy. <laughs> oh. And so to, to today, but solely based on this conversation, I want to put cancel culture in the crazy corner. Because what we miss out on, look at all of these stories that we're hearing, all this music history, all of these these right. things that we need as a people to move forward, as a yeah. culture, as a music business, as a gospel music business, yeah. as a body of Christ, all these things that we need to move forward. Is in, it's in your perspective because you didn't live so much. Yeah. And so the problem with cancel culture, there's nothing after it. You just tear it down and then wow. you just move on. And so I want to put them in the crazy corner, cancel culture. I agree. I agree. I definitely agree. Cancel culture, I just I look online and... It's just a bunch of cyber bullies. Cyber That's bullies. it. Yeah. And I, I just feel like everybody's falling short of the glory. But you know what? I want to speak and to the cancel culture creators mm. and the people who endorse it. And I want to encourage them, if I could, to go after something uh, that's far more... Um, advancing than that. Do something else because you're good at what you do because it's making people pay attention. Right. Just 
it's nothing good about doing that. Turn it. If you were a person of a level of importance that people would be, that you would be affected if they canceled who you were, would you do it? Right. You know, and, and mostly I'm sure they would say no. So those who may say, ah, you, you canceled in my book. I don't ever want to hear you sing. You can talk about all the history you want. You know, it, I would say that's okay, but it, that's not okay. Not even for you, that person that thinks like that. It's not for the sake of trying to keep me on the scene. I run from the scene, actually. It's about making sure that you don't fill your heart up with so much malice that you end up being uh, a person that missed out on life yeah. while focusing on negative stuff that have nothing to do with you, you know? That's true. Yeah. Crazy! Let it out, girl. Turn it ass like you came up like the South, girl. I said not drop it like the body, drop it like the now that's your that's your H Town sister and your Virgo sister, yeah. Beyonce Knowles Carter, yes, Church Girl. That's a sample of the Clark sisters classic, produced and written by, of course, your favorite Twinkie Clark. Yeah. I gotta ask you, how do you feel about? Because I know you love Beyonce. I know she's a friend, mm -hmm. and she's a friend of mine as well. I just, how do you feel about when artists sample gospel music? And and what's your thoughts on that? It's music. It's music. It's music. It's a universal language. Um, I love it. To me, it's a, a form of homage, paying homage, especially for Twinkie. She deserves a platform that is far bigger than what gospel has been able to produce for her. She's a rock star to me. And um, I'd been hearing conversation about this particular thing, and I ain't going to lie. That was my first time here, and I didn't know what it was. I was just rocking, rocking my head just now, bobbing. And then when I heard the girls, I said, I bet you this is about to be church girl. And then I hear the beat dropping his beat. And I haven't studied and listened to it enough to even really cast the proper judgment if that's supposed to be done. And I don't know what the content is about. I just, it seemed that church people were mad that it was a collaboration of gospel music with B. Why? Why? For what? I mean... Twinkie told everybody, it, it was revealed in, in the movie about she and her sisters, that she was influenced by Stevie Wonder. What yeah. is the problem? Like Stevie has told me, hey, you know, man, I love Dorinda. It's love across the board, appreciation for music. The music world, the music mind is a different world all by itself. It's a, crea it's a creativity that most people will never probably be able to understand because music speaks a language that sometimes words doesn't give the proper utterance of what we feel. Right. Just like when we were listening to Salem a few minutes ago, had we been able to put into words what we were feeling in the moment, we'd probably be sounding so foreign to people. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, but but I think it's I think it's amazing. Why wouldn't I? I've heard so many people in R&B sing like Kim Burrell mm -hmm. until... How can I not appreciate it? What am I, I saying? Right. Don't sing like me. I represent the Lord Jesus Christ. Get out of here. <laughs> Stupid. Hit that beehive. So beehive got your back. That was yeah, 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 my girl. First of all, I love B. Yeah. So, and my position is different yeah. with her as an as an individual. Before I would ever criticize her, I'm going to defend her. Just out of friendship, but then she's a woman who has has crossed so many barriers and has become. Her own. I'll never forget. She was 18 years old and. She was getting. She had not released Bootylicious yet, and she came to Houston. There was a spot on Chimney Rock in Houston. There was a studio, and B and um, Kelly and Michelle had to drive all the way from California to Houston because all the airports were shut down because the Twin Towers had been hit. 
They call me and says, B wants to talk to you. I go over to the studio and her feelings have been hurt because she had run into some gospel artists. I'm not going to put them out there like that because they're still trying to do their thing. But she had run into some gospel artists that made her feel badly about how they dress and what they do. And she said, I was thinking to myself, but I don't sing gospel. So why are y'all expecting me to look like that? And why y'all reprimanding me that way? I was so mad. And that hurt me that they made her feel like that, you know? And it was judgmental. So I remember she goes, I got a song I want you to hear. B was 18. I said, yeah, sure. So I followed her into the console. She plays Bootylicious. It had not been released. She really turned into Sasha Fierce. So she, you know, she's quiet and she's soft-spoken. I got this song on you here. She's not making eye contact. They press play. You know, B, she came along. She... <laughs> you know, she goes, <laughs> B, starts, B, B turned into Sasha all the way fierce. They go, Sasha, can you handle this? And she just... You hell, she just in it, right? <laughs> so I watch her transform right in front of my face. And I'm in shock at what music did through her. Mm. And I'm sitting there in awe of how she's affected by this music. A full-blown artist that child is. So she goes, you like it? I said, let me tell you something. If you put that in the archives because of what you ran into in California, I'm going to protest. I see you released that song. That's that is incredible. Man. And Bootylicious came out less than a year later. Mm -hmm. Crazy. Yeah. Crazy. Kim, mm -hmm. as we sit here at the Roots Theater and at the National Museum of African American Music, so much history, so much music. Yeah. What does an institution like NAMAM represent to you? As uh I walked through a little bit, Phil. I'll be honest with you. Right before we got into this. And um the young lady who was Seeing to me and the gentleman who was taking me through it, I, I cut it short. I had to get out. I became a little bit too emotional. Uh, the black culture's history, we are rich people. Uh, we are wealthy people uh, filled with so much talent. And I just feel like we've been robbed for, for many, many years for, of so much. As much as I love Elvis, Elvis was a thief. You know, I love him. He did great with what he did. But he was a thief. He stole somebody else's sound. And here's the deal. He's not 100% a thief because he had to live out what was allowed for his culture and time. Yeah. And why wouldn't he? I thought that he was generous to present to the world another man's talent. Mm. But he was not at liberty to reveal during those times, this is this man's talent. Because the rest of the world was not honoring our color. So... My hat is off to him for, because he did, he, 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 um, he paid homage to a lot of people. But I just feel like the, the artists, black artists have been stolen from on so many levels that it has made me feel a certain type of way and have to really uh, fight prejudice really, really hard. I grew up in an environment where uh, the ratio of uh, our culture, we were 1% black. So it's, I, I can't harbor prejudice in my heart because I grew up with mostly Caucasians and then other nationalities were sprinkled in that. But being in my field of work, I can't have prejudice anywhere in me. But I have appreciation for what we've done and I have to learn how to embrace 
what the times were and what was allowed or wasn't allowed and all that type of thing. But it's hurtful. Yeah. It's hurtful because those people were human and to work so hard to be who you are and nobody knows you and you're having to sit back and watch somebody else live out your career. That's painful. painful. That's painful to sit and go, you can do the teddy bear. Just da -da -da -da. That's who you are. That's your sound being lived out, supported, and stadiums are being packed out and somebody's becoming extremely rich off of who you are. That's not easy to do. That's not easy to watch. So I had to come out of there uh, because our history is rich and, and even with the gospel piece, we just have not received the accolades and the, and the response and the finances that we have deserved. To hear stories, you know, you're proud of our people to hear Albertina Walker say to my face, hey, it was 12 of us in a van eating out of one box of chicken. And we all got paid maybe $25 to split between all of us. And, uh, but here they are creating a sound that where would gospel be? Where would music be without their hard work? So I have mixed emotions. I'm appreciative of the information that's in it, but I'm affected. And it's so sad because a lot of times as a culture, we tend to forget the Albertina story to get to the to the, the multi-million, multi-platinum story. You know what I'm and saying? And I like, can't. Like it, right now in the news, um, we, me and uh, Timon was talking about this DJ named DJ Academics, and he was talking about <clears throat> the pioneers of rap and how dusty they look now. Like mm. he was just calling them like dusty and broke. And I'm like, but they had to do that so that Kanye could be a billionaire. Exactly. Like, and so where's, where's this reciprocation, first of all? Because, right. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? But as a, I think a lot of times, unfortunately, for black people, we're so rich with talent, yeah. we feel like we can excuse talent. Right. You know what I'm saying? Like, in other cultures, like, when you find somebody that can do that thing, like, you, you find a, a Elvis or a Dale or something, they celebrate it forever. But right. us, we're looking for the next thing. And, us, and sometimes, well, all the time, I feel like we miss out on so much of of the richness of our culture and, and we don't we don't really tell our story properly. So can I can I can I ask well I wanna I wanna make a statement to that. Okay. Um I think that my understanding about that 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 mindset and those actions because it's very true what you just said. I think part of the reason of why um African Americans don't get on the on on the same boat and support and kind of push things. What's next? There is an understanding for the culture that believes we all need a turn because a lot of our turns were taken, like this like this museum to me exhibits. A lot of our turns have been taken from us, so. I think we've embodied, we ain't gonna last long, no way. They're not gonna support us in no long. That, why do you think millions jump on the Beyonce boat? Because she's been able to be her color and sustain and get support from all sides. Millions jump on the boat with Michael Jackson because other people responded, so he must be the right thing. 
if, 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 if our culture is supported by most of our culture, sometimes they'll push their, those people's careers along because they don't see the support of another nationality or of another, mm -hmm. you know, uh, that doesn't endorse us. So in other words, yeah, keep it moving. Because you're not going to last long because only our culture like you. So we're going to make or break you, mm -hmm. you know. And I think and we want our, ch our chance. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, it's, a, it's a conglomerate of things. And, yeah. I, and it's no excuse for it. It's wrong. Yeah. But it's a conglomerate of reasons why I think that a lot of them do that. It's a sickness. It is. Yeah. I agree. We sound crazy. <laughs>
Yeah, I can't go in, so I'm gonna nominate as weed roller. <laughs> I, I, I did not see that coming. <laughs> right. I'm gonna nominate someone who is a friend to me, and she has inspired me uh, throughout her journey as an executive, uh, the first African American uh, woman to chair a major record label. And you had—I know you worked with her some years ago, Sylvia Rome. Mm, love Sylvia. I get to do what? Yeah, yeah. It's your turn. I am nominating. It has to be a woman. It can be anyone. No, because you got Snoop yeah. and the weed roller. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. um, I nominate Travis Malloy. Travis Malloy. I nominate Travis Malloy. Let me tell you See? why. Travis, um, what I respect about Travis, he has the grind of those of us who started like in the 80s, 70s. And... I have been in conversation with him when he has talked about his disappointments. Mm -hmm. I think what I'm impressed the most about Travis is his fight back, mm -hmm. his ability to not be afraid to win. And, you know, we're all dressed in Travis today. We are. We are yeah. dressed in Travis. Which I was shocked. You millions, billions, billions, trillions. trillions. With all our YouTube ah. people, you can see it. Check it out. We'll also post it on our socials. But Travis is the owner of this amazing line. Yeah, yeah he is. Man. And what's crazy, I had no idea that you guys are going to be wearing yours. Was I supposed I know, to that was crazy. That? Like, That's weird. Because I brought no other option to wear. <laughs> so, <laughs> so now this we're is what, Hey. And so when I saw Chuck with his, I screamed, right? <laughs> right, right, right. Like, Chuck, what? <laughs> I said, that's what I'm wearing. So cool. So cool. Yeah, so yeah, yeah, that's my nomination, Travis. And you got a special customized version for, you know, we got Yeah, well, you know, yeah. it says Burrell. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, that'd be my name. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah All right, so, so let's we, take this, a vote. This we take okay. a vote. Okay. So uh, let's let's recap. We got Travis Malloy, we got Snoop's weed roller, we got Jerry Griffin, and Sylvia Ron. And Sylvia Ron. Wow. All in favor of Sylvia Ron, raise your hand. I gotta I gotta stand beside who I voted for. You be blessed. <laughs> All in favor of Snoop's weed roller, <laughs> raise your hand. I <laughs> <laughs> see. I have my reasons. Uh, all in favor of... Uh, Jerry Griffith. Jerry Griffith, raise your hand. I don't know him. Um, right, a lot of people don't know him. That's See? the, yeah. But, and yeah. all in favor of Travis Malloy, raise your hand. I give it to Travis for sure. Oh, yeah. that's unanimous. Yeah. unanimous. And we're unanimous with wardrobe. Yeah. This is the thing. I've been listening to Travis. I have one of Travis's first records. Yes. Now, Travis can cool. sing. Yeah. And I was hoping Travis that he would sing. be here today so I could meet him in person, but I still have that that album on my phone somewhere and I still it still shuffles in from time to time. So I'm a Travis Malloy fan. And Travis is trending not only with millions of trillions, so many doors are opening for him. He and Ray J he's doing his movie, he's doing all this kind of stuff, but he's impressive. Yeah. Yeah, man. Shout out Travis Malloy. Go ahead, home, Travis Malloy, congratulations. This week's Irby winner. Yeah. yeah. yeah congratulations, Travis. Yes, sir. You messed me up seeing Esther Roll, first of all. She was one of my <laughs> most favorite people in all the world. Yeah. I was invited to um, whatever record label it is, Norman Lear. So Norman Lear's oh. there, and he's over okay. Verve, mm -hmm. right? So I'm walking through this place in Beverly Hills or wherever we are in California, and Norman Lear is giving me a tour. So needless to say, I look on the wall. And he's talking about, you know, you got Archie Bunk, All in the Family, Good Times, the Jeffersons, all the shows that I grew up on. And this is the man. I'm going, 
just let me look at you. I see how many years I've seen your name come up, scrolling up. I said, now I'm standing here with you. I'm having an extreme moment. He was one of the nicest guys I'd ever met. I know my other guy, Eric Monty, doesn't think so. But Eric, you know, my heart is to Eric about that show. I heard bad stories. Anyway, so here's the moment that changes my life. Norman Lear says, you know, I have a record company called Verve Records. I'm like, no, sir, I didn't know that. He takes me. There's like this bank vault, and the door is open, and it's just like a real bank vault. He says, these are the records, but here's what I'm holding in here on Verve. Chuck, he pulls out a case that holds about 12 CDs of nothing but Art Tatum. Mm. Wow. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Messed me up. Art Tatum is something that I hope those who are yeah. part of the gospel world One will of go, the go ahead on and look that yeah, up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know. A lot of people went to the Oscar Peterson piece because it was more of a, yeah. a time thing with us. But this is where they didn't have multi-tracking. Yeah. Well, this guy sounded like five people playing at one time. And Art Tatum. So he gives me this thing, this catalog, this big booklet of 12 CDs of nothing but Art Tatum. And I was in shock. And when I went home, I for three days, well, I'll just reveal it. I don't even know if I took a bath. I, I just, <laughs> I, don't, I don't remember taking a bath. I, I remember sitting up at least two of those days. I may have scratched it one twice because it was time to take a bath, but I was like... This is this is not happening, you know. Like the how high the moons we live, Mac the night, yeah, all that yeah, stuff. yeah, 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 man. Crazy, wow. incredible. Yeah. What what should the deal with you and Sylvia Ramone? Oh, I ain't got nothing. Okay. You know, we we didn't spend enough time around each other. It was just at the era. It was an era that felt more like an E R R O L R error. Mm. <laughs> I remember <laughs> seeing the the the, the splash page. I, 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 I remember oh, seeing the, the, yeah. the website yeah. and being super excited. I'm about like, what we're oh, about to do? Kim's yeah, no, it was a beautiful dream because at the time, they were trying to sign Yolanda, mm -hmm. me, and uh, Karen. Karen Clark. Mm -hmm. So we would do, do a record called ABC. Yolanda A for Adams, Kim B for Burrell, and Karen C for Clark. Wow. So that was the idea. We were going to do this record. Yeah, thank you all. That's it. <laughs> Higher ground is still one of the coldest. It's not too late. Uh, it's not too late. No, it's not too late. It's not too late. We all still can sing. Yeah. So, hey, why not do something? Crazy. This has been so good. This is so, so good. good. So good. Oh, my. One of my favorites, actually. All yeah. right. Thanks, man. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know who I really, really wish y'all could have on here? Because I feel like you do about the Jerry fella. George Clinton does not get what I know he deserves exactly. as far as respect. He is he is quietly being paid for so many people sampling his money, mm -hmm. which I'm glad about. I talked with him the other day. We ended up being friends. So George Clinton and I did a song called Mathematics of Love. Mm -hmm. Probably, I don't know, 2000, early 2000s. And it was a game changer. Um, uh, he wrote the tune. Uh, I don't know if y'all know Chris Big Dog Davis out of Connecticut. Yeah, 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 yeah. Chris played the track, and I sang it. Me and me and George did a duet called "Mathematics of Love." He's really a brilliant guy. Yeah, man. Yeah. 
No, George Clinton. We would love to have him here. Funny you mention him. There's actually a special exhibit that George curated here at the museum that's going to be live here in Nashville, Tennessee at the National Museum of African-American Music all the way through November 30th. So it's right here. It's happening now? It, yeah, right now. I, want, I can see it before you I You can leave? see it. Yeah. Oh, man, I have to. Thank yeah. you for letting me know yeah. that. Wow. Yeah. So yeah. if you're in Nashville, come see it as well. But yeah, George Clinton curated this amazing art exhibition. So super awesome. Yeah, I'm trying to put he and Bam together. You know Bam. Yeah, yeah, I know Bam. Oh, Lord. <laughs> that Bam is Bam. <laughs> yeah, I know he's like he's like Estero. Yeah, bam, yeah, 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 bam, <laughs> bam. <laughs> oh, this has been amazing. This Thanks. is this Thanks. is one for the books. I'm with you, Chuck. This is one of my favorite episodes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So fun. Truly a dream come true. Thank Thanks, you, Kimberell. Thank you yeah. so much. Make sure you follow us at We Sound Crazy on all platforms, and also follow our partners at the National Museum of African American Music at Nayman. All right, so Kim, every week we go out with a song that kind of sets the mood, the tone of what we're feeling in that moment, and we're going to give you the honors to send us out. Um, thank you so much. This has been life-changing for me. Thank you all for hearing my side of things. Yeah. I would love to uh, possibly close with uh, something I did on my Everlasting Life record called Kim's Request. Yeah, yeah man. Yeah. <laughs> it's the instrumental. Yeah, man. I love that. Yeah. Shout out to our partners at Visit Music City for sponsoring this episode and all of our episodes this season. Amazing. Thank you to our producer, Mike Guru Johnson, and thank you to our amazing crew who make us look amazing, Travis wow. and Joe holding yeah. it down behind the camera. Shout out. Thank you so much. Shout out Tiffany. And Tiffany, Tiffany too. Yeah, the whole crew, everybody, but Tiffany everybody. held us down. Tiffany, yeah, yeah, Tiffany, Tiffany held yeah. us down. She had this whole thing mapped out from every step, so thank to you. The tutor. And root, what'd you say from the, from the rooter to the tutor? <laughs> come on, you always come with a nice old school job turkey. I'm 95. I can't help it. From the rooter to the tutor. I'm from Macon, Georgia. <laughs> I can't help it. <laughs> Thank you so much. We sound crazy. We out of here until next time. Thank you, Kim Burrell. Thank yeah, yeah, yeah. Kim's you. request. Announcing the Mocha Podcast Network, an innovative lifestyle podcast network featuring conversations from a black perspective. Curated with respected voices led by actresses and comedians Sherry Shepard and Kim Whitley. We're funny and we have a yes. point of view. We call that edumatainment. That's what we call it. Is that what it is? Veteran TV journalist Rolanda Watts. Shocking the heck out of everybody. The legendary Funky Divas in Vogue. This topic is girl groups in the industry. To syndicated broadcast personalities, Lonnie Love and Dee Dee McGuire, as well as an array of experts and activists. Mocha Podcast Network, a lifestyle destination with authentic voices and perspectives designed to enrich and empower women of color with a unique listening experience. More than a destination, the Mocha Podcast Network is a full-service studio that offers an ongoing portfolio of production, distribution, marketing, 
guest booking, and most importantly, ad sales. With a unique revenue model for podcasters that includes customized promotional campaigns created specifically around podcaster and targeted audience, service social media promos and pushes, MPN brand advertising, targeted electronic newsletter, experienced sales representation. For advertisers, the Mocha Podcast Network is a safe marketplace to align their brands with trusted voices, organically engaging the highly in-demand female consumer and more. With quality over quantity, from concept to completion, now is the time for content creators and brands to join the innovative Mocha Podcast Network and experience unapologetic conversations with a new perspective.